Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. Somehow, God is in me, and there's a sense in which I am like God and man all at once. Many religions claim that we will all eventually be gods. The Bible says something so much better. It says, no, God will continue to be God. Man will continue to be man, but God will come upon man. No way! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Don't you just hate it when people do this? This is Wretched Radio. So Jimmy leaves the studio to go down the street to find himself a cool beverage. Yes. What happened, Jimmy? Uh, my uh, my debit card did not work, mm-hmm. and it can't be because you don't pay me enough money. That's <laughs> not it. <laughs> no, for some reason it wouldn't swipe on the on the machine. It kept making that eh, eh, eh noise. I've never heard that before. Yeah, well, obviously your debit card has never been declined. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, it has that little chip business. The problem yes. is you put it in and out of your wallet. The chip wears out before the credit card expires. So if you're a banker, could you please get on this and fix the problem so the thing doesn't work, so you put the beverage away and came back? No, no. Uh, I tried three or four times, and I was about to put it back, and uh, the gentleman in the line next to me uh, reached in his pocket and paid for mm-hmm. my for my uh, my order, yes. my purchase. And who was this gentleman? He worked for FedEx. That's nice. Anything else we might know about this fellow? Yeah, he uh, he was black. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be... No, 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 no. Okay. Before you can pontificate on your beverage experience, let me tell you what happened to me at lunch, pal. Okay. Don't you love it when people do that? (laughs) In fact, tell me we don't all have that propensity. Somebody tells you something and the immediate response is your take on it or your own experience with it. Mm. Somebody could walk up to me and go, you know, I was just... Minding my own business, walking down the street when a hubcap flew off and it severed my left leg completely from my body. Yeah, let me tell you about the time I was walking down the street. (laughs) Just doesn't matter. We just me, 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 me. So I go to the Zaxby's to pick up some lunch and I made a big mistake. I ordered the meal and I got the French fries and I only ate about six of them. But I'm telling you, it's like a mule kick to the guts just with the deep fried business. I, you know, then I'm stuck in the line. So I'm, I'm in the queue and you can't get out when you realize you don't have your wallet. So I pull up to the window and there's the same woman that I've seen for years. And I said, I am so sorry. I hope you haven't made it yet because I asked for extra seasoned salt on the fries that are about to make me sick. But I don't have my wallet. And you know what she did? She bought me lunch. Oh, she wow. said, I'll use my I'll use my credit card. And I'm like, oh, that is so nice. And she is a Hindu. Mm. Now, why would we bring up those two attributes of these people? Well, first of all, because that's what our culture does. <laughs> to make sure we all stay nice and divided, we make sure that you identify by skin color and not by anything else. Furthermore, this is my contention. And Jimmy, I suspect this is what your pontification was going to be about. What was your takeaway from a black man helping you a white man giving giving you a beverage. Wow, he really doesn't hate me. Yeah, right. That's yeah. right. Okay. It's tragic 
that thoughts like that have to come to our mind. I'm telling you, I never used to think like that until recently where I am receiving. I'm getting your message. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm, I'm white. So people who aren't hate me. That's the, that's, that's the message. And I think it's worth noting that Jimmy's experience is not singular. There are, I, this, I, I, I'm thrilled about this, to be honest, that in, in Atlanta, I can't recall the percentage of what the population is, but it's far more mixed here than certainly where I come from in the Midwest. And so I'm regularly meeting people with a different skin color because that's our marker these days. And we get along swell. Despite the narrative, I think on the individual level, I don't think things are as evil and awful as they are made out to be in the public media with the news stories, the debates, the the whatever the, the sign is that tells me what a problem I am, the canceling of this, the doxing of that, the decolonizing your bookshelf, all of that. It's, it's a foot, but I just don't think the majority of folks, nope, this is, this is not science-based, this is subjective, but it's also based on experience. On the individual basis, we're getting along just fine. Thank you very much. There's acts of kindness going on, and I hate that we have to be reminded of this, but I think it helps us with our hearts because how do you respond when you're told perpetually you're bad? You get a little bit agitated. You don't care for the people who keep ringing that bell and making that accusation over and over again and sin. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to sin. I don't want to be unloving. I'm commanded to love. There is an inner and outer circle, the church first, my family first, my church first, then everybody else on the planet. Believers, we, we, we do huddle together and take care of one another's needs, but we're also to love those people who are outside of the church. Why? Because God is love. In this is love. He died for really hateful, horrible people. And I'm called to be loving too. And I'm telling you, I'm just, I'm committed to not buying the narrative and swallowing what they're trying to force feed me. I ain't buying what you're selling, world system. Be encouraged. It's, it's perhaps not as bad as it's made out to be. Black and white are still getting along. I'm getting along just fine with my Hindu friend at Zaxby's. A little more seasoned salt would be nice. But other than that, I'm still grateful for the food that she bought for me because I go there that much. <laughs> that's, a, that's so tragic. And speaking of unbelievers, permit me to share with you, count them, eight questions you can ask an atheist. How should you ask these questions? Lovingly, not aggressively. So let's see if we can learn some clever questions that help reveal the truth of the gospel and if we can do it in a way that isn't gotcha. Because these questions are gotcha questions. They, 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 they are, they're kind of front-end loaded. But I don't want to deliver it in such a way that people perceive I'm coming at you. If you can, 
jump over that hurdle, your witness encounters, they're going to go better. Here we go. Eight polemical questions for atheists. Number one, if evolution is true, why do we have hospitals? Well, what do you mean, why do we have hospitals? So we can take care of sick people. I know, but evolution says sick people should die. That's, that's what evolution is all about. The weaker ones, you know, out of here. And then we stronger ones can survive, making the race stronger, by the way, which we're also told is a good thing without any evolutionary explanation why we would want that. Question number two, why do you think atheists are responsible for the overwhelming number of deaths in the 20th century? Now, that is not a definitive gotcha sort of question, but it's at least framed in a way that brings about conversation. Hey, my, my atheist friend, um, historically, most wars, 20th century, bloodiest century ever, started by, started by atheists. What do you do with that? How do, you, how do you sleep at night going, yeah, you know, it's okay. Yes, some atheists do some bad things. Tell me about that. Now, do I have to win that point? No. Mm, but I'm just asking questions that hopefully will lead to more than a pebble in the shoe. Number three. Why should an atheist go out of his way to help? Number four, why do atheists have kids? You can, you can hear the theme here. Evolution would say there's no reason to do this. Kids, they're expensive. They demand a lot. Sure, you might get some pleasure out of it, but at what cost? You shouldn't be having kids if you want to flourish because that is what the evolutionary worldview teaches. Self. Question, if nothing is objectively true, then why would it be bad for me to hurt you if I think that it is good? Tell me. Another similar sort of question. If you believe that we should, if I believed rather, that we should kill people with an IQ of less than 100, what moral ground would you have to stop me? Great question. They have none. In fact, the reality is evolution rightly applied as it was in the 20th century to the demise of a lot of people, to the sterilization of a lot of people. Evolution should teach you that we actually should make an effort to get rid of the, what were they called? Oh, yes, feeble-minded. Was Adolf Hitler bad? Why? Number eight, why should we war against pandemics? Wouldn't it be better? That the weak perished instead of lived? Why do we do these kind of things? Spend money, suffer personal loss in order for people, somebody that we don't even know perhaps, to have a gain? And the answer, of course, to any of these questions is they don't have an answer to these questions. Is it going to get anybody saved? No. Are they designed to just win an argument or speed bag somebody into a corner? No. But it is to hopefully help them understand that their atheistic worldview is This is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, 
we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-BIBLE. Hey, thanks for joining us here on Wretched Radio today. Now, look, I know you love our resources and all of the good stuff we have at wretched.org. I do, too. But let me ask you another question. Have you considered becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Because when you do that, you can help us reach millions all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And hey, look, it's tax deductible. You can't beat that. It's like those combos. You remember those combos, those pizza pretzel things? I'm probably the only one. But anyway, here's one promise that I can make to you. You never have to worry about the money you donate to Wretched because look, we're not just making quality productions around here. We're also stewarding God's money as if eternity depended on it. And we do it all with a very high view of scripture. We don't mess around with any of that unbiblical stuff around here. So join us, become a Wretched Gospel partner and help us to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org slash donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. So, you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Books of the Bible. Jude was the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wrote an epistle to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. He contends for the faith with a passionate and vehement attack against false teachers. When you want to know God's concern for the truth, Jude has 25 intense verses just for you. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, Jerusalem! This is Wretched Radio (laughs) Jerusalem right now little more at risk than it was, what, about a week ago when Netanyahu was voted out by one whopping vote. We'll see how things go in the nation's capital of Israel. That's right. I went ahead and said it. The nation's capital of Israel being Jerusalem. Another reason to keep an eye on Jerusalem is, oh, it might be time for the second coming. How do I know? Headline. Rare ring of fire, solar eclipse, to appear on. Oh, this this, this is a little bit dated now. It was it was in June. 
the middle of June, just weeks after super blood moon lunar eclipse. Oh, you know what a super blood moon lunar eclipse means, don't you, Jerusalem? <laughs> means somebody's going to do a sermon series, write a book, and profit from it. That's what that means. Do you remember that trend? The blood moon trend? I think that Jesus was going to return was the idea. Hmm. Seems to me that when you make predictions and they're wrong, you're out of business. At least that used to be the standard. And many false prophecies have been made that are clearly not coming to fulfillment. Not the least of which was, oh, the blood moon. Oh, Jimmy, do you remember? What was, what was, was it, was it the second coming, I think? Yes, it, 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 it uh, signifies the second coming or is supposed to. I'm sorry. I was just drinking a beverage. You know what I was drinking? <laughs> What's that? My freeze Axby soda. <laughs> I don't want to one up you, pal. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> you just got a beverage. I got a chicken sandwich. <laughs> you know, I do have a question about that. <laughs> oh, no. What? Didn't you know you didn't have your wallet before you left? Oh, I That's did. all I heard about I all morning. Did. <laughs> I did. I've, my wallet, it's taken wings. Yet again, (laughs) normally I put my keys with it. That way I can't escape without bringing it with. No, I get into the car like a dodo. One mission to Zaxby's I go. It was getting stuck in the queue. And then I was locked in. If I had known it beforehand, I wouldn't have done it. But my friend bought me lunch. Speaking of questions and blood moons, for your consideration, some questions for you to ask your Bible. Questions that will keep you from falling into blood moon schemes and lunar eclipse, it's the end of the age predictions, and it will keep you from following false teachers. It'll allow you to recognize true theology. If you ask your Bible questions, interrogate it constantly. We live in an area where in an era where everything gets deconstructed, especially literature. This awful French philosophy of reading between the lines literally. What is the meaning of the story? Well, what wasn't said? What? Yeah, what wasn't said? That's the meaning of the story. Actually, shouldn't it be what was said? That's the meaning of the story. No, not with deconstruction. See, it's more clever than that. You got to get in there and figure out what the author didn't say, because that's what he was really wanting to say. Okay. Look, do I have to do crack to participate in this literature game? Because I don't know that I can do what you're talking about without shrooms. I think that's a hallucinogenic, isn't it? Yes. How do you know? (laughs) 14 questions to ask your Bible. Good reminders. This is biblical hermeneutics. Normally, I would sneak in a plug for Herman Who with study guide available at wretched.org, but I'm not going to do that. I'll just get right to it. Who's the author of the passage? You want to know that if you received a letter without a return address or name and it said, dear fill in the blank, this is very important. I'm writing to tell you how much I love you and everything that I'd like to do for you. Sincerely, nothing. You could be like, whoa, 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 whoa. This makes a difference here. Who is this person? What do they tell? They love me. They want to give me what? You'd have all kinds of questions that would be answered if it turns out it was your mother. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Or a sibling or 
the neighbor you don't get along with. Wait, whoa, 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 what? It changes much. Same thing is true with the Bible. Number two, who are the recipients? Who is getting it? Mature Christians, immature Christians, believers in captivity, out of captivity, thriving, flourishing, struggling. You need to know those things if you don't want to buy into the blood moon scheme. That's what I'm trying to say. Number three, what is the historical background of the passage? (laughs) Okay, I'm serious about the memory business, forgetting my wallet again. I go through the bookshelves at home because I've got a fair amount of books I have not completed yet. I pick up this book and it said uh, it was titled. It was a little fat book, too. Can I use the word book or was that offensive? I'm sorry. And and, and it was the, the, the world Jesus knew. I think that was the name of it. I don't. Oh, this is interesting. And the subtitle basically was. And what was it? What was first century life like in Israel when our Savior walked the planet? Oh, that would be cool. I opened it up. I'd already read the whole thing. Whole thing was was highlighted, marked up. It's mine. I can tell. I've already read it. I remember none of it. Man, Zaxby's seems to be the least of my problems, doesn't it? What's the historical background? Read books like that. Read. Encyclo- Christian biblical encyclopedias. Read books that talk about what was going on at the time the book was being written. It'll help you. Number four, what is the outline or structure of the passage? You want to get a lot out of a passage. If you're struggling in your private quiet time, here's an assignment for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you, especially if, and this is a good thing, you are dedicated to reading X amount of scripture per day. Could I just encourage you, maybe take a day off of that program. You're not going to abandon the Bible. Take one Bible verse and diagram it. It will explode for you. Now, you might have to go watch a tutorial on diagramming sentences because it's been a bit of a, a stint since you've had to do that chore that you thought was worthless when you were in high school. You outline the passage, whoa, that's the main verb, that's the supporting verb. Go to Matthew 28, 19. While going, make disciples. Wait a second, what's the actual, what's the prominent verb here? It's an imperative. So uh, I, need to, I need to understand the, 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 the way that the words are used. What are the prepositional phrases here? What are the indications of that? What are the adjectives? And you will learn a lot about a Bible verse and how to apply what you learned in high school. Number four, what is uh, starting them? Five, are my words repeat? Are any words repeated? Any significance to the repetition? I don't think. Uh, I don't think that I've got it in this particular Bible. But a good example of uh, uh, read Ephesians one and two. Go look for go look for repeated words. See what Paul is trying to emphasize. Take a look at Colossians, and you can this. You better have a pen that's got some ink in it. Circle the word "all" in Colossians, and you're going to discover. Whoa, Paul is really trying to make a point here about all, all the fullness of God in Jesus Christ, and over and over again with the word "all" pointing to Jesus to make Him supreme. To demonstrate there's other stuff and there's Jesus. 
Circle repeated words. You'll be glad you... Uh, here's another one. Start in 1 John 3 and go all the way through chapter 4. Circle the word love and see how much loving John talks about a lot. Are there unusual words in the passage that call for more exploration? You see kind of a, huh, that's an interesting word. Go look it up. Seven, how does the passage fit into the surrounding paragraph, into the surrounding chapter, into the surrounding book? Why did the author place the passage here and not someplace else? In one sentence, what's the main point of the passage? That's what does it say? What's the point? Tell me, just tell me what the point is. And that's going to be different than your translation or your interpretation, by the way. How would the original audience have been affected by the passage? That's how you should be affected too. No more, no less. How does the passage connect to the overall storyline of the Bible? How does this passage reveal Jesus as Savior? Does every single verse somehow point to Jesus? Not that specifically, but certainly the entire book does, because all books lead to Jesus. See if your verse isn't trying to do that. 13, how does God want this passage to function in my life? Doesn't matter what I think about the verse. What does God think about it, and what does he want me to do with it? Which is question 14. What kind of response does this passage call for? You start asking any of those questions, your Bible reading, it's going to explode. And I don't mean that in one of those nasty bus bombings in Israel. It will come to life for you. Now, the more you do this, you're thinking, 14 questions every time I read a Bible verse? Start that way. And suddenly these things will just become a part of the fabric of your noggin. And as you read the Bible, you will intuitively be applying these questions. This is Wretched Radio. And it's time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. First from California, lawmakers have decided that police dogs are not just man's best friend anymore, but unfortunately, they're also racially biased. So being proposed is banning these canine officers from arrests and crown control situations. Ah, come on, don't ban them. Don't ban the police dogs. Give them another chance. Maybe try some sensitivity training. That might work. And USA Today has decided to bestow the honorary title of Woman of the Year upon Minnesota's first transgender lawmaker. It's like real women aren't qualified for these awards anymore. And in Uganda, the government has banned LGBT identity, which has caused an uproar among progressives around the world. I'm sure it has. The bill, which was passed by Ugandan lawmakers, is criminalizing not only same-sex relations, but also even identifying as LGBT. And, you know, remember, we can appreciate that stand, but also let's not forget Uganda is still a very dangerous place for Christians at the moment. Well, in something that you don't see every day, a public university president has canceled a student drag show and has issued a strong critique of the drag culture. Dr. Jack Hawkins, the chancellor of Troy University, denounced the event as derisive, divisive, and demoralizing misogyny. We don't see that very often, do we, from a public university? You should probably write that down and remember where you are at this moment because it may be the last time we hear something like that. So this could actually be historic. 
Well, church drama, of course, alive and well. 38 churches are suing the UMC Baltimore, Washington conference over issues with attempting to disaffiliate from the denomination. The congregations, of course, want to leave because of the disagreements over LGBT issues, but they're hitting roadblocks in the form of financial and logistical challenges. And it's just sad to watch this. Let's keep praying for our Methodist brothers and sisters because we're witnessing in real time the collapse of a denomination. And in a bid to counteract cultural confusion, there's been a new children's book released called God Made Me, A Biblical Guide to Marriage. Author Kathy Widenhouse hopes the book will serve as a helpful tool for parents navigating conversations about God's design for marriage and relationships, which is just so anti everything in our culture. And meanwhile, there's a professor who has been suggesting that, quote, unwanted children do worse in school and therefore abortion is justified. They'll call anyone a professor these days, won't they? Actually, I'm going to start going by Professor to Professor Jim. Nobody call me anything but Professor Jim from now on. Professor Jim, expert of, well, nothing, but does that really even matter? More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Know your church fathers. Theophilus of Antioch lived a pagan lifestyle until he was converted by reading the scriptures. His most notable work, Apology, was written to an unbelieving friend to show that the scriptures were self-authenticating and argued that the antiquity, clarity, and consistency of the scriptures prove their divine origin. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What kind of love is that this is wretched radio question who surrounds you no not like a ring of turkey vultures who lives near you who are your neighbors how do you get along with people in the hood do you love them perhaps your answer is some of them Uh, there's there's a few others don't talk very much but maybe just maybe You live next to a very unlovable neighbor, and yet loving difficult neighbors isn't optional. When Jesus said that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, he didn't say, except that guy, love all of them. Will Anderson, writing a helpful encouragement for us to always be loving neighbors, My neighbors are inconsiderate, you say, and they might be. That happens a lot, doesn't it? Is there any place you can actually go where neighbors don't bother you, especially if you happen to be persnickety? You you go into one of those developments where there's an HOA, and there's all kinds of rules, but people still break them. And then, so you go, that's it, we're out of the HOA. We're going to buy a house on, on, on just in a neighborhood. And then there's always those people who don't keep the place up, bringing your property value down. I don't think you can go anywhere because you're somebody's going to get up your nose living on this planet. And we cannot use the excuse that my neighbors are inconsiderate. This from Will Anderson. Sometimes we disconnect from neighbors because they're rude. Loud music, parking in the wrong spot, smoking around the kids using our lawn as their dog's daily bathroom, parenting in ways we wouldn't, donning a political yard sign or bumper sticker 
we despise. Wow. <laughs> Did I write this list? <laughs> this, ooh, this was reading me. I still have to love them. When we behold Christ's prayer of forgiveness for his executioners uttered from the cross, our pettiness vaporizes. It should. As sinners daily pardon from immense guilt, how could we stubbornly withhold forgiveness from others? You want to apply that to your neighbors? Your, your, your happiness will go up. You apply that to your marriage? Your relationship with your sweetie? It's going to get better. You apply that rule to your parenting or to being a child and your relationship with your children or mom and dad, it's going to get sweeter. I promise you. It's just the way that it works. Right now, I actually decided I think I'm going to write another book because as long as I'm still able to remember where my wallet is, I wait a second. Where is my wallet? Come to think of it. So I'm writing this book, and it's, it's currently titled How the World Works and How You Fit Into It. I'm thinking about where you fit into it. You know, how, where. It's kind of an important thing at any rate. How the world works. Just as there are physical laws, I'm calling them spiritual laws. I need a better word than spiritual. So if you've got one, send me an email at idea at wretched.org and tell me what it is. The idea that... God orchestrates and runs the planet the same way that he does with laws of physics, laws of biology, laws of nature, if you want to call them, laws of math, that he's the constant who stands behind all of these things. And it's the way that he's put the place together in an organized fashion in order for it to run as well as it currently does. And the same thing is true for life. How we live, God has laws. Pagan, doesn't matter. Christian, doesn't matter. You follow the way that God has designed the planet, and things are going to go better for you. Marriage is perhaps the best example. If you get married to somebody of the opposite gender for the rest of your life, overall things are going to go better. And by the way, by the way, I think it's Dennis Prager, the Jewish talk show host, who regularly will say, in this country, if you get married, stay married. And get at least a high school education and, and, and just work diligently. You will do just fine. And he's right. And that, by the way, that's sociological. You do those things and things are going to go better. Even the world, even Dennis Prager observes that. And it's true. But why is it true? Is it just, well, it just kind of works out. No, no. It's because that's the way that God designed you to live. Get married. Stay married. Get educated because God is educated. And work because God works. Do those things and things will improve and they will go overall well with the consideration of sovereignty that, that God might be doing something a la Job in your life with discipline because he's designed the universe to work with marriage because it's relational and he's relational, that we should be educated because he's smart, and that we should be faithful. Do those things, and they work because that's how the place works. Don't do them, and things do not go well for you. 
don't go ahead. You want your life to be crummy and miserable? Dishonor your parents a lot until they just reach the breaking point with you. Go ahead and just see how well things go compared to how sweet they can be. Why? Because God says, this is how you should treat your parents. And if you do, life will go well. It even says that in the command, that life will go well with you. Why? Because he's designed the place to run that way. Maybe you're asking, well, where are these, these laws of the spiritual laws, if we can call them that, where are they located? Where's the storehouse? And the answer is God. God runs everything. God is the power source behind everything. And just like he is behind the law of gravity, he's behind the law of get married and stay married. Just like he is the, the author of the laws of entropy, cause and effect. He's the law of honor your parents. That's the, you do it and it's going to work for you. I'll let you know when I get done with the book. You want your marriage to go better? Start repenting. And start seeing yourself as the biggest sinner in the house. And I'm telling you something. You do sin math. Whoa. My spouse was kind of cold today. Mm -hmm. And how effusive were you with the Lord all day? Well, well, not not so much. And you're upset at your spouse. Why? Do that. It'll change the way you treat your spouse. It'll change the way you see your neighbors when they park on your lawn. They've got their car on the curb. Whatever it is, they don't pick up their clippings from their lawn. Whatever it is, they don't clean their gutters. You can just see the leaves up there. Don't they? What's the matter with it? You know what property values are going to do? Okay. Hold on. Hold on. How much have you been forgiven? Number two. My neighbors are not my primary ministry, you say. Therefore, I don't have to love them. Our geography is linked with God's sovereignty. Therefore, they are a ministry. (laughs) Sometimes the doctrine of sovereignty can be a wee little bit convicting. Where you are is important. And don't don't lose sight of this, even as you're considering career decisions. Where, where, Where have you been? What have you been doing? What has God led you through? What has he taught you? What opportunities do you have with it? That that should not be discarded, especially on a whim. Or I'm just kind of tired of it. Hold on. God has put you someplace. Why? Do you know where you should be? Answer where you are. How do I know? Because you're there. If you weren't supposed to be there, you wouldn't be there. Why? Because God has you exactly where he wants you to be. And that means the neighbors you've got are a ministry. You protest, my neighbors are different from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they certainly are. Jesus ignored the homogenous social rules of his day. Dining with religious elites, scandalous sinners, his inner circle of disciples included a zealot, a tax collector, <laughs> a traitor. Following Jesus will seat you at tables that make you squirm. But you say... My neighbors want to be left alone. Okay, perhaps. Is there anything kind that we could do to show love to our neighbors? Keep inviting them? Send them some banana bread on occasion? I bring that up only because I have some at home and banana bread. It's my one weakness. Number five, 
You say my neighbors are hostile. Mm -hmm. If a neighbor threatens you, you might want to call the police, file a report, install a motion light, an alarm system, or move to a new neighborhood if you need to. Those are sober sober realities, yet prayer for a hostile neighbor and self-protection aren't mutually exclusive. That means even if they're really that bad, that nasty, there's still things you can do that are kind of protect yourself, no doubt about it. But be praying for your neighbor and offering as much kindness as they will allow you to give. Why? Because loving our neighbor, it isn't an option, even if they're dreadful. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe. But now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Question, are you tired of the same old boring TV shows? Well, there is something that's not like anything else on Christian TV. It's transformed and it's back for season number two. You get to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions tackling issues like depression, anxiety, OCD, and others. These are real people with real issues being offered real solutions by our hosts, Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson. So if you're looking for something different, you know, a show that glorifies God and demonstrates the sufficiency of His Word, then Transform is for you. It's a -a one-of-a-kind production that provides the hope and relief that only the Bible can give. The world is full of hurting people, even Christians, and many are completely unaware of biblical counseling and the answers it can provide. So join us for Transform Season 2, the show that will transform your walk with Christ and leave a profound and lasting impact on your life. Get your hands on it now and also consider grabbing the Sunday School curriculum for your church. You can find it at transform.org or the Wretched Store at wretched.org. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with Preborn. Please consider supporting Preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Attributes of God. 
Exodus chapter 20 verse 5 tells us that God is jealous. Jealousy is an intense desire to protect one's own glory, honor, and name. Since God is perfect, it is only right for Him to protect His own glory. Take comfort knowing that God will receive glory, and His glory is good for you. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, here's a subtle sin for you. This is Wretched Radio. I'm your host, Todd Friel, age. You must be 30. Close enough. <laughs> I'm. I opened up my stinger file and I found all kinds of goodies in here. Remember this guy from Long... This is on Long Beach, something like that. I was trying to witness to this guy on a bench. He was smoking a cigar. He was having none of me. I can't talk to you anymore. You have a wonderful day. I feel very sorry for you. There you have it. (laughs) I so relate to him. (laughs) Oh, wow. The flashbacks. A unity. God likes it. God commands it, and we are to have it. Now, in order to have what God has in the Trinitarian Godhead, which is perfect unity, we need the best foundation. What is it? What is the thing that unites Christians? Believe it or not, there's actually debate on the subject because some people would say it's our cause, digging wells, feeding the poor. That's what unites us. Some would say No, it's just that we fellowship together. We hang together. We do things together. That's the basis for our unity. That's a tenuous walk, by the way, because there ain't nothing keeping you from fighting with your former friends and not having unity. Instead, Martin Lloyd-Jones rightly stated, and I'll, I'll just play that tape for you. The basis of our unity must be doctrine, not fellowship. That's what he said. It's got to be doctrine. It is absolutely got to be doctrine. As long as I've got my stinger up with Martin Lloyd-Jones, the next unique feature of the gathering of people who are the church is the common life they share. They have a love of the same doctrine always. This love of the same doctrine always precedes fellowship. True unity in the church is a unity of life and unity of life... Martin Lloyd-Jones seems to be losing his accent. And unity of life is expressed with a unity of doctrine. A man who is born again is a man who wants teaching. You did a nice job cleaning up those sound files, Jimmy. As you can hardly tell, they're like 50 years old. Any attempt to create an external unity that downplays or disregards doctrine is not the unity described in the New Testament. Bible, Bible, Bible is the foundation of our unity, which Jesus insists on for your consideration, courtesy of, oh boy, here we go, Tom Hammond, the author of What Time is Purple, which you can still give away. Visit wretched.org slash purple. We'll send you copies of this booklet. No cost as long as you promise to give them away. And by the way, speaking of booklet giveaways, get ready for September because we're going to have a Lulu coming up. And I would like to encourage you to think about where you might be able to give away the gospel. Tom Hammond creating six elements that are usually found where biblical unity is lacking. We'll get to the where it abounds. But right now, this could be a reason why your church isn't a happy place. It's perhaps a little bit divided. One, 
There is usually inconsistent teaching that begets dissimilar beliefs. This always results in biblical ignorance and makes like-mindedness virtually impossible. Unity has got to be based on truth and lots of it. Otherwise, it's tenuous. How's the teaching at your church? Number two, there is often the inclusion of persistent, unrepented immorality and sin. If your church is lacking unity, it's because people have a low view of God and a low view of holiness and a low level of worship. The lost and those living in persistent sin feel very comfortable in ecumenical settings, not in a unified, theologically robust church. Number three, you could have disunity in your church because there is a neglectful inclusion of false converts that results from weak evangelism. That is, evangelism will do more for your church than I think most of us realize. It can ignite a church And it can bring a body together like a nobody's business because we all want to see the lost saved. And when we're constantly hearing about it, activities, efforts, outreaches, reports, good news, testimonies, that brings us together because we are on common cause and not just a cause, the cause. The cause of God is to bring glory to himself through the redemptive work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the cause That's the reason for the universe. You and I in a local body participating in that purpose. And then we we're we're going to feel it and we're going to be unified. But there might be another reason your church is lacking unity. There's a neglectful inclusion of false teaching. That's not going to help anything. And by the way, false teaching these days sometimes not as potently but sometimes is unspoken because certain things are never discussed certain topics are never tackled certain subjects are taboo Uh, that's that can be false teaching too okay not unorthodox like false teaching but neglectful it doesn't grow unity it diminishes unity number five There's an exclusion of church discipline and admonishment. This shouldn't be an every Sunday sort of affair, but on occasion there should be some church discipline. Somebody's got to be demonstrating that they're a false convert because we were promised we're going to have them in our midst. Hence, church discipline. Does your church ever have it? If it doesn't, you're not going to grow in unity. I'm telling you, I have been in some service, not many, but I've been in some services When you're sitting in a room with, say, 200 people who are all shaking because it has just been announced that this person is not repenting and we are setting them outside of the body, you do that all together and you're going to be all together. Number six, there is weak leadership that fails to address these causes of disunity. They just don't want to take on the challenge. Well, guess what? It's not going to go away because we are bent toward disunity. We need to be called toward unity. Those are the six things that promote a lack thereof. Here are the six causes that bring about an abounding of biblical unity. Number one, consistent teaching from a common hermeneutic. That begets similar beliefs. Make sure you know what your hermeneutic is. Because if it isn't defined by the church, specifically by the pastor who's rightly dividing the word of church or truth or should be at least, then then you get the hermeneutic of your pastor and you don't want that. 
No man should bring about his own understanding of interpretation. We all submit to grammatical, historical. What's the grammar? What's the history? What's the context? What is the author's intent? Then I try to figure that out and do what I'm told as it applies to me. I don't determine what the Bible says. God does. The original author does. If that isn't in agreement, you're in trouble. If it is, you're going to grow in unity because you're all going to be on the same page theologically. Number two, abounding biblical unity comes from an intentional exclusion of unrepented immorality and sin. As you can see, these are going the negative of the ones that cause disunity to take place. Number three, there's an international exclusion of an intentional. Oh boy, put your glasses on, Todd. There's an intentional exclusion of false converts, but a strong emphasis on evangelism. Four, there's an intentional exclusion of false teaching. Five, there is church discipline and admonishment. Six, there's strong leadership that upholds the elements of unity. Pastor, we need you strong, not overbearing, not dictatorial, but, but, but we need you strong. We all do. We all want it that way. And, and by the way, the bullies in the church that would try to intimidate you to not be strong, they're just that. And they're immature. And they're the ones who need to change. Not you. Be loving. Be strong. It brings about unity. Here's three attitudes that will destroy unity. One, an attitude of individualism, which you and your kids are bombarded with the message that you are alone, alone, all, all alone, not on a white, alone, alone, all, all alone, alone on a, Samuel Taylor Coleridge, alone, uh, alone, alone, all. Look, sometimes you need to work things out too, okay? If I don't do this now, it'll be 3 a.m. I'm going to wake up spouting Samuel Taylor Coleridge. The rhyme of the ancient mariner, alone, alone, all, all alone, alone on a wide, wide sea, and never did a saint take pity on my soul in agony. Thank you, I feel better now. If you think that you're alone in everything, you're not going to be unified, and you're missing out. An attitude of selfishness. That you've got to have things at the church, family, life, your way. No unity. Homes are broken up over this. Everybody insisting on their own way. Nobody ever submitting. Nobody ever giving in. An attitude of prideful egotism where there's envy and there's jealousy. You are going to have nothing but squabbling. Instead, we should have an attitude of submission, unselfishness, and humility. Now see... You can tell Tom's from Tennessee. He used the word humbleness. I don't think that's a word. It used to be humility. Where did humbleness come from? He's just wrong. It comes from West Tennessee. Apparently. And now <laughs> he and I can't have unity with my attitude being like this. The Lord loves unity. If it's never a topic of conversation in your church, it should be. Because if nothing else, you're just missing out on something super sweet. Until tomorrow. Go serve your king.